Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Today, we're discussing James Harriet's beloved series of novels. All Creatures Great and Small mm-hmm. is the one we're talking about today, but you know him from all of the animal stories <laughs> he's written and the compilations that have been made of those stories, like cat stories and dog stories. But we're going to talk about the book that started it all, yep. All Creatures Great and Small. But before we get to that, we're going to share what's making us feel cozy this week. Jillian, what's making you feel cozy this week? It's going to come out of left field, but uncle's love for Josh Groban. (laughs) Not Josh Groban, but your great uncle's love for Josh Groban. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's this unadulterated, like, I've pure love that I've never seen anyone have for a musical artist. I think it might go a little bit cheaper than that, to be quite honest. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, it's another topic for another day. (laughs) But he's about 83. He grew up in New York, you know, during the Great Depression. And he has, like, typical older man interests. Like, he loves the Yankees. He loves New York pizza. You know, all this stuff. Yeah, but then he has this pure love for Josh Groban. He's on his mailing list. And he emails my mom all the time about the song she should listen to. And he always predicts each of his songs going to be a number one hit. He's in his fan club. Um, he like, and gets upset when she doesn't respond to if she liked the song or not. Um, and it's just really s- sweet when someone has such a appreciation <laughs> for musical yeah. artists or just any celebrity like fangirling. I think sometimes people <laughs> like down on that. But I, I really appreciate when someone just goes hard for a celebrity or someone they and they like. Does this fit into his other musical taste? Does he like? I don't. Does is Josh Groban kind of operatic? I mean, he's that. You know, is it easy listening? How, how would you classify deep, his music? I haven't taken him up on his recommendation. Crooner. <laughs> but he. Well, it's, well, I guess I'll go into it a little bit. But basically, my granduncle is. I guess the ultimate fan. Boy. I don't know what the right word would be for it, but he growing. Uh, I guess in his in his youth, and by youth I mean like fifties or forty, like <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> he was, um, you know, the president of various fan clubs. And so, so it's not just that he likes Josh Groban's music, but he's also an experienced fan, like Judy Garland. Obsessed. Okay, you're painting a whole picture now. <laughs> now I can see it way well, more clearly. Well, let me tell you a little bit. <laughs> his nursing Is he a home, confirmed bachelor? <laughs> you know, no. Well, he was he's divorced. But it's a long story. But okay. he had in a in his nursing home, he had his wall of wall of special ladies. He called them, where he mm-hmm. just had pictures of like Judy Garland, I, some other stars of that similar nature. But his latest kick is Josh Groban, and he would go to the death to sing Josh Groban's praises. As someone I dared to question his musical talent, I wouldn't want to be at the other end of that. <laughs> but he, just how, you know, because even last night I was telling you, Matt, before we started this, um, there's some people in town from St. Louis and they love the show Vanderpump Rules. Okay. Which you're not familiar, if you're not familiar, it's on Bravo and they have a Did restaurant. you go to Pump? And yeah, they really want to go to pump and they were so excited and they just let their excitement show. Cause I think there's sometimes in LA, like if you see someone you're really excited about, like I saw Bill Hader at a, 
oh. at a, a brunch. I was so excited. But I was like, himself. oh, I got to like keep it down a notch because, you know, we don't want to go over the top or whatever. But I... Well, well I, we're locals. You live here. We have to, you know, get accustomed to that. But I appreciate people who just let their love and their fangirling out yeah. and just, just you know, don't, not, don't feel like weird or like um, maybe self-conscious about showing their love for a particular celebrity or show or it's not cool to like you know be so open about it but mm-hmm. also i just think it's cute to imagine some 83 year old man in his nursing home like sending out josh groban links and on the fan club i just think that it's precious has he so seen good. josh groban in concert no i mean well, what we're really trying to do is i will i would love to get josh groban's attention because <laughs> now i'm thinking about because honestly he emails about josh groban so much and it would just make his you know whatever year but um there's a broadway show about judy garland's life i believe that's in the works and i would love to get him back up to new york to see that i just i was just making you think you know it's cozy to imagine some older man just listening to josh i mean it's not cozy (laughs) to me it's just sweet that's cozy it's sweet it's a sweet image and it's just cozy i guess what i'm trying to get at is that people who you know fangirl not in a way that's overbearing obviously and stalkerish or mm-hmm. crosses legal boundaries but people who just have a nice yeah you know pure love for some self-celebrity or show is just so sweet and cozy let's get this man to a josh groban concert i think we should sort of go fund me this this sounds like a job for ellen honestly yeah yeah he's, get this man on the ellen he's show. a real character he uh has a he has a piece of tape that attaches his toupee to his head <laughs> He's just a character. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> that reminds me of a friend whose mom was obsessed with Clay Aiken. Oh and my god! I'm sure she had you know a whole lot of other things she she was interested in, but it would appear from just visiting. I was in high school, and I'd you know we'd, I'd go over and watch movies at his place, and she was like always online, like looking up Clay Aiken stuff, like emailing her her chain mail thing of Clay That's Aiken so supporters. Sweet. I think. I, no, I think she was on a message board. That's so cute. So she was always like on, on the message board, checking out the latest Clay Aiken news. That's so sweet. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's always so random. Like when you're someone who goes hard for someone like that, yeah. or it be on a message board or a mailing list, it's always the most random celebrity you could ever think of. No, I think Josh Groban has a really broad appeal, especially mm-hmm. for um, older people. And I remember my aunt really loved Josh Groban. It was, I, I it was just, the, ran- the most random person, I don't yeah. know, you'll find will just be like, I'm obsessed with Josh Groban. And you know what? Why not? Yeah. He's lovely. So your <laughs> your mom's friend, they were going hard for Clay Aiken even after he came out? Like they, cause I wonder if he lost some moms. I, I don't know. This was before he came out. But I kind of feel like if you couldn't tell that from the beginning, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know what's wrong Touché. with you. But I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think I remember hearing that she did fall off the... Clay Aiken bandwagon, but I don't think it was because he came out. I think it was just a whole host of other weird things that was ha- that were yeah. happening with him. So yeah, he's a character. Yeah, I mean, I, Clay Aiken's a lot less comfy, I would say, than Josh Groban. I would say so. He just has so much gravitas, and his voice is very beautiful. And no matter mm. what you think, he's also really like funny and. I, I guess I have. Am I ha- Josh Groban fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm describing it. I'm like realizing You're I love Josh be- Groban. Unky as I he am. goes by. Gonna He's going to be on my wall of special ladies <laughs> one day in my nursing home. That's for sure. All right. Well, that brings me to what's making me feel cozy this week, which is the class of 2018. 
<laughs> switching gears from Josh Groban fandom to outgoing graduates of college and high schools all across the country. It's June. Mm-hmm. It's the graduation month. People are moving on to the next phase of life. And honestly, I mean, I'm a high school teacher, so I attended our graduation. That's that's where it's coming from for me. But you also see on social media everybody posting with, you know, their relatives or their friends, people who are graduating college and high school and 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 kindergarten. Now they give you a diploma every grade level, it seems. But it was really it was really a positive experience and so comforting to see bright and energized people accomplishing their goals and they're ready to take on the world and Especially like the week that we're recording this, there's like a lot of really sad news. What like and just going and seeing so much life Give taking place, and and this doesn't sound necessarily great, but I mean it in the most positive way. Like the relentlessness of l- how life moves forward. Yeah, like life does not stop; it just keeps moving. And you see all these young people who are so excited to get out there. It's really inspiring, and it reminds you. On the one hand, it, it kind of it makes me feel like small and insignificant, but also in a good way where it's like there's there's so much hope in life moving forward. I don't know. That's Does that make any well, sense? No, it's very well said. And I know how much you love and care for your students too. So I, And I know you put so much work into their education, so it must have been really special to see everyone off. I really highly recommend if you can attend a graduation or just mm-hmm. creep on one, like go to a college campus <laughs> and one. sneak in. They're really boring mo- for the most part, but mm-hmm. the the energy and vibe of everyone in attendance, it's there's so much love there, like the families, the pictures, it's just oh, no, wonderful. Yeah. And all the kids who pretend that, you know, they're not excited about graduation, it doesn't matter, it's just another day in the life. Yeah. They end up being one of the most excited ones. Right, no, it's true. Like this, it's true. <laughs> And that brings us to our cozy locations. My cozy location this week is Manaqua, Wisconsin. I had to dig deep because in the few weeks we've spent since our last recording, I don't think I've really gone anywhere cozy. Sometimes that happens and I'm, I start panicking. Like I have nothing cozy or new to share. So I, I, went, I time traveled back to all the summer vacations of my youth mm-hmm. and I arrived back at actually the place that we always went to over the summer with my family was pretty cozy. Monaco, Wisconsin. It's in the North woods. There are two types of family vacations. There are those families that go to a new place every year. Yeah. Like, Oh, we're going to go to Greece this year. And now we're in London and now we're at Disneyland. And and my family was always Monaco, Wisconsin. (laughs) Well, it's reliable. Listen, we did not have the money or the time to jet do, off to Greece with yeah, these to, to jet off to a lister. No, you see, like other people at school are like going off to at least other parts of the country. Like, oh, we're going to the Grand Canyon for an all-American vacation. It's like, well, I'm going to the Northwoods of Wisconsin for the thirteenth time. Well, Eventually, I stopped going because I was like, you guys go. I'd rather be home alone for a week without you. Did you go to the same? place to yeah the, the cabin well, it, it changed over okay, time but that it, spiced it, it, up. it ended up being like three over the course of like truly over a decade of going there as an adult i look back on it and i'm like that was really cozy and, mm-hmm. and i want to return to experience it as an adult because when you're a kid on vacation you kind of don't have as much control as you would like and so being able to actually enjoy Having a glass of wine on the porch. Couldn't do that as a kid, no. you know? A little or, more or Having some beer on a boat. That'd be funny. Alcohol Imagine in different locations. On a porch, the nice glass of cab. <laughs> it, it would have felt right, I think, at that time, mm-hmm. even then. But yeah, so I, I want to go back, but 
it was really cozy. So it's what you imagine. It's wooded and a cabin in the woods. Um, not scary as it sounds. Just a lot of time spent out on a boat. We'd fish. We'd go a lot of miniature golfing mm-hmm. to be had up there. There was a really wonderful little zoo called Wildwood that I always oh. dragged my parents to. What kind of animals were there? It, they were mostly local animals. They were locals. <laughs> <laughs> Stop by. Um, it was like black bears and raccoons. <laughs> it was one of those sorts of like little zoos that they don't really have. I think they've grown. I, w- I went to the website recently and like now they have like African animals. But when I was going there, I think the most exotic thing they had was like an Arctic fox. I don't know how I feel about them trying to spice it up with new animals. I, I like know. I kind of like it being of sort raccoons. of like, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Sounds do you want nice. to pet a raccoon kid? That was kind of the vibe of that place. I like that. Oh, that's too bad. What kind of dining is there? A lot of great fish Ooh. and fudge oh Manaqua gets the north woods all together they get a lot of tourists from chicago is it mostly a summer spot or yes. is so in, i mean you, you could go in the winter for i guess skiing or um oh god what's that thing people do snowboarding um, snow that's i guess snowboarding too but i'm thinking of a snowmobile oh god yeah people like people like to drive their snowmobiles around and a lot of people die every year because it's it's heavily forested and people go very fast on snowmobiles. Yeah, that's not. I wouldn't. Uh, winter sports not my thing, or just anything where I could possibly lose my life, like for a little thrill, riding yeah, on my no. snowmobile. No thanks. That's why I didn't do the what's that thing where you're flying through the rainforest? Oh, the zipline. Never, I do it. Me nope. neither. No, not worth it. I went back to Six Flags recently because it was grad night, and so I it was a chaperone. That was a whole experience. Oh, that, God, let me tell you. Imagine. The the place where they would hold the chaperones in Six Flags, it looked like a post apocalyptic shelter. Wait, like, I think like, I might know. I, I went on a, a a trip there too with kids. Yeah. But we just sat where I guess the food was. That's exactly what teachers do. Is <laughs> okay. They camp out where the food is. Yeah. A lot of veteran teachers, I guess, who've done this like every year, they have they bring sleeping bags. Oh my god. Because grad night, if you don't know what it is, it's like this event where all the seniors they go to an amusement park, and it goes from, like, 8 p.m. until 5 in the morning. What? Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't. I, I'd fall asleep. I, I stayed up all night. I was, I was very good. But it's, it's good at Six Flags because you go on rides, and it, it wakes you up. Yeah, most of the teachers, though, what was so, so shocking to me is, like, they agreed to chaperone grad night, but then would just hole up in this, like, the chaperone's quarters, which was a sports bar, and it had <laughs> a billion TVs. It looked like a shelter in a post-apocalyptic movie where it's like everyone's huddled in, like yeah. people have blankets on themselves. They're like sprawled across the table. It's just a mess. People, just bodies on top of bodies. Oh my God. Yeah, it was truly horrific in there. So uh, we, we were the younger teachers, so we would like go out into the wild of the Six Flags mm-hmm. and actually go on some rides. And that's when I discovered, this is my long way of getting back to what you had been talking well, about. Well, I'm, I'm very, I have a lot of follow-up questions. I won't bore people here with it, but... <laughs> Which is like I realized going on rides again, and I I was I was brave enough to do a few roller coasters, mm-hmm. but I realized it's like as as thrilling as it is, I don't I think I'm over I'm done I don't yeah. need it anymore like I I think I'm fine with doing the minimum thrill roller coasters I love the pirate ship, that's about as thrilling as I want to get like put me on the tilt a whirl that pirate ship that goes up and down. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to do any loop-de-loops or go around any no, roller anymore. It, I'm done. Yeah. Well, first of all, that was never me. But, you know, I just wouldn't want anyone to 
say, oh, how did Jillian die? It's like, well, she had to get her rocks off on a snowmobile. <laughs> like, <laughs> she had had those five minutes whizzing down the mountain. It's like, I... No matter how you die, I'm going to write that on your tombstone. <laughs> she had to get her rocks off on a snowmobile. Anyways. <laughs> I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who's lost anyone that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to anyone who likes getting their rocks off on snowmobiles. <laughs> Manaka, Wisconsin. <laughs> that sounds lovely. I would yeah, like it's to go. Fresh air. You know, you get in touch with nature. So you've been traveling back in time to your family vacations, and I thought I would just travel around through cities because I'm tired of just focusing on L.A. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's not only a little bit alienating, but, you know, I want to spice things up. So uh, I was thinking... Of my trip to New Orleans, like three or so years ago, and there's this particularly cozy little sculpture garden at uh, the Art Museum in New Orleans, the New Orleans Museum of Art, mm-hmm. and it's just such a beautiful garden that you could you go you can go before or after whatever you choose it's up to each person. <laughs> you can go anytime you want when they're open. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, they give you the hours. <laughs> it's just the trees in New Orleans. It sounds so amazing, but I like... The Spanish all, moss. Yeah, yeah, all that moss. And it's just... It started to rain when I was walking through the sculpture garden. And it was just such a quiet moment. Just looking at all these beautiful sculptures, all the beautiful trees with their moss hanging down. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something special about going through any garden, I think, when it's just you or just another person and it's very quiet. And also just in, in, in the rain is, you know, rain so unexpectedly there. Um, and it's, it was actually nice to be caught in the rain and yeah. Yeah, taking shelter underneath these beautiful sculptures. And I just think it's just one of the most beautiful little gardens that I've ever come across that's attached to an art museum. What were the sculptures like? Just very modern and tall and, you know, not, not a lot of fanfare, which I, I, I like. Simple. Very, yes, very simple, tall, elegant sculptures. And there's a nice pond to walk by afterwards. You take your coffee and uh, it's just a, a beautiful piece of land that I really enjoyed. I was just trying to think of somewhere that I felt cozy. That was like a nice cozy memory of a city that I've been to in the past 10 years or so. And that was, that's one of them. Museums in the rain feel really great. Yeah. I I guess being inside anywhere during the rain is great, but museums, I really feel like it encourages you to take your time and Mm -hmm. slow down because it's not like you're going anywhere anyway. So just enjoy it. They just did a nice job with it, um, taking advantage of the beautiful nature that's present in New Orleans. Yeah, better than Bourbon Street. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> Can't get me away from Bourbon Street. <laughs> Got to pull that hurricane out of Jillian's hands. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's get you to a museum. Get some culture in you. Anyway, Sorry. I think we're ready uh, to talk about the book we read. Mm-hmm. This month we read All Creatures Great and Small after a recommendation from Stephanie C. in the podcast group. Again, listeners, you have the best book recommendations. And Mm -hmm. I loved James Harriet's books when I was in, I guess I kind of read them in middle high school. I don't specifically remember when, but it was around that time. And I remember loving his books for just being so calming and 
I mean, the animal stories were the best. Like, when I was reading James Harriet, I never actually read, I realized, any of the proper novel compilations. Because I, I guess the UK versions of the novels are smaller and they have different titles. And then in the US, they put them together and they retitled them, like All Creatures Great and Small. Oh, that's interesting. You know, all, all of those things. Anyway, so I never read the like full novels. I would read the compilations that they also made for cat stories and dog stories where they would pull out stories about specific mm-hmm. types of animals for people who like loved cats and loved dogs. Like, you know, you just get pure dog and cat content, <laughs> which I mean was a, was a good strategy because that was, that's what we want, right? Yeah. And so I, I loved the cat stories book. That's what I had. Big shocker. I had never uh, heard of James Harriet, I guess, prior to this, admittedly. But I thought it'd be nice to dedicate this episode to my grandpa, who was a big animal lover. And he actually has a scholarship at Cornell in his name for aspiring veterinarians. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, if you're love this book and you know someone in your life that wants to be a veterinarian, I thought it was very apt to mention that. No, it's funny you mention that because I have a cousin who is a veterinarian and she's the one who gifted me the book. Mm-hmm. I think it's like if you have a vet in your life in some way, you probably are more likely to be aware yeah. of James Harriet because vets go crazy for these books. Yeah. Uh, but and, and, and as well they should. Yeah, it's the Noah Walters. I could look it up uh, if you're interested in applying or know a vet who would like to. Yes, we love vets at all, all Things Cozy. Yeah. This one goes out to Noah yes. and to, to great uncle Groban. Love <laughs> great her. Uncle. So James Harriet is the pen name for Alf White, who was a veterinarian in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. just like the fictional James Harriet. So he changed names and he changed some of the circumstances. It's a fictional, it's like a fictionalized memoir. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff really happened, but the way he retells it. And the spin, he, he, he takes a lot of uh, creative license and liberty. As more drama. As more drama. Ties things up with a bow and probably they, the way they didn't in real life. Yeah. In every way about his life as a country veterinarian and, and surely is about the people and the animals he came in contact with during that time. So All Creatures Great and Small is the first, the first two books he wrote. He didn't start writing until he was 50. He was a, a veterinarian until then, always wanted to write. Tried writing books about, like, football and, and stuff like that, but no one wanted to publish it. And then he went back to what he loved, which is his practice as a veterinarian, and they, it, was, it was a hit. And it inspired um, a TV show that ran for many years in the UK, and it inspired movies and subsequently a, a lot more books. And by the end of his life, most of his income came from the books and being a writer, mm. even though he w- continued to be a practicing veterinarian Wow. Up until basically the end of his life. Because even after he retired from his practice, he would still... His, his son's a veterinarian. And so he would still kind of like work with his son occasionally in the same region he had always worked. Well, I think it's interesting that he became a writer at 50. Because you often hear that with other very accomplished writers. Yeah. Like that um, author, James Halter, I think he didn't start writing until after he came back from the war. And he's in the Air Force and... You know, it's a very common story. I also think it's very interesting that he continued to be a veterinarian just goes to show how much he loves the job. Yeah. You know, he didn't have to. He always said he considered himself to be a veterinarian first and a writer second. Mm. And yeah, I always get inspired by people who start anything late in life because it goes to show that 
it's never too late for anything. Yeah, very and true. And George Saunders, too, didn't yeah. start writing until he was, in, I think, in his 40s. There are so many stories like that. So keep trucking. Yeah. So All Creatures Great and Small is the first. So he gets out of veterinarian school and becomes a, an assistant veterinarian at a small practice in mm-hmm. the country in Yorkshire. Yep. So he's working for a veterinarian named Siegfried. Farnan? Siegfried Farnan, yes. And then his brother is also there, Tristan Farnan, who's mm-hmm. kind of, um, he mucks everything up all the time. He's, a young, he's a young lad. He's, he's, a young, he's a young lad, right? Yeah, yeah he's, he's aspiring to be a veterinarian as well, but he's not very good at it. He's not very good at it, and he's really more focused on drinking and his, courting ladies. Yes, at the nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's always caught being a creep at the nursing school. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, James... You know, learning the ropes, learning to all the idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. of all the local farmers and their and their livestock. He, yeah. he, he works on a lot of horses and cows, occasionally uh, smaller animals like dogs and cats as well, uh, pigs. Even though it's a book about animals and animals feature very prominently, but I would I think it's a mistake to say that these are books about animals. Yeah, I would agree. They're books. They're books about people mm-hmm. and that that region. Because he's way more interested in the people and their relationships to each other and, and their animals than you get like a, a loving story about an animal with a certain type of personality. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any one particular animal that stands out as having a distinct personality. Dis- the only one I can, that really stands out is that dog. Tricky Woo. Tricky, yeah. <laughs> um, who, the, um, the dog's owner writes and speaks through the dog. So for example, Tricky was sending letters to James mm-hmm. as Tricky. Yeah, signed photographs. Also, she gets a, the the lady who owns that animal also gets a pig later also sending <laughs> little notes, notes from and the pig. gifts yeah. and inviting uh, James to parties. And so that is the only animal that in my recollection that stands out as having a distinct quote unquote personality. But I think it, it's true what you said. It's um, he learns lessons through the animals, right. like little tiny lessons, and it's definitely more an examination of these pe- people in this town and right. the relationship that he has with Siegfried and Tristan and Tristan and Siegfried. And um, I, I thought that was one of the best parts. It's just these little vignettes of people and funny moments. Right. Yeah. It's so it, the way the story is set up, it's like you get these little short stories, basically, where he goes out for a certain issue on a farm mm-hmm. or. Another running narrative throughout the stories is his courtship of of the woman, Helen, who ends up being his wife. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if there's like one strong narrative thread of the, of this the, of the series, it's that it's that like meeting Helen, dating Helen, marrying Helen. Yeah. The book ends with him getting married. It kind of wraps it all up in a, in a nice way. It does. I mean, it is an incredibly cozy book. I love when he realizes that he's going too fast and just like oh, I wanted to enjoy my food. So I pulled over and just started eating it and looking at the dales and taking yeah. in the scenery. And I love that slow life like that. Just living in the present yeah, is so comforting. And it, so many beautiful descriptions of the countryside. And the people are so down to earth and mm-hmm. fascinating and kind. And, and even the ones who aren't, you recognize them. And they create... It's, it's a nice collection of characters that entertain you as you read the book. Yeah, and all the characters are really finely drawn. I thought it was nice, too, those descriptions of the English countryside in winter and in you know spring. Mm-hmm. Just those little moments when he's driving by himself and he's just 
in awe of the beauty that surround him because there's a lot of humor, but then there's our other serious moments because the book does start out with him not knowing if he's going to get a job. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a good time. I think it's just right after the first world war, right? Yeah. So people aren't, you know, it's kind of, you know, tense and people don't have a lot of money. So there's always that in the background where you really, he does realize how lucky he is to have this position and this job and uh, apprenticeship, if you will. And have a place to stay. So there's like there's that serious note to it. But I was laughing aloud throughout the book. I was in a cafe. I was telling Matt, and I was just you know chuckling to myself. <laughs> um, it is, he is very Riley funny. I, and so if you're a fan of miscommunication humor, I think this book's for you. My one of my favorite dynamics in in the book is between his boss Siegfried Farnan. And, and James, Siegfried does this really infuriating thing mm-hmm. where he will give James advice. James will then proceed to execute the advice. And then when it doesn't work, Siegfried will come in and say, now I told you to do it this mm-hmm. a complete other way. Like he's always not taking responsibility for telling him the wrong thing. He's a very zany he's Very character. zany, yeah. And so that's the thing I appreciate too, because I love a good zany character. And Siegfried's relationship with Tristan really cracked me up mm-hmm. because Siegfried is, you know, he's accomplished and he wants Tristan to be at the same level. But as we said before, Tristan's quite the young lad right. about town. And so I really like the descriptions of Siegfried busting into Tristan's room to catch him not wor- working or not you know, being up at the right time. Right. And so he was always trying to catch him and he was always exploding at, at Tristan. And then their back and forth relationship I found hilarious. Uh, another scene I really liked I was telling Matt was when going back to Siegfried, always assuming that he's right or not taking into account what James is saying, he got the appointment location wrong to, I guess, some surgery for an mm-hmm. animal. And in the middle of the night, he goes to the wrong address and James is telling him you're going to the wrong place. But he's not listening. And but he ha- soldiers on and he busts into this family's house in the middle of the night demanding that he has a knife to perform this uh, surgery because I guess he didn't have one or something and the family is really confused of what this man's doing in their house in the night demanding a sharp knife and just the miscommunication humor there I thought was really funny also when Tristan loses the the pigs oh yeah and there yeah one really wonderful quote is when it's just this kind of throwaway line where Harriet writes that Tristan did a spot-on impression of a pig recognizing itself in the reflection of a window mm-hmm. Even just trying to conjure that image yeah. in my own mind, like I just had had to laugh because that's just a really funny, with, with without describing it because you can't. It's kind of indescribable, mm-hmm. but also you get it at the same time. It was a really a really funny, funny thing. And I thought of you in one particular funny scene. Oh yeah, it reminded me of you. Well, um, when there's when he this, James goes to take this one family to a music musical performance, okay. and they. And they take a really long time eating their food and getting ready. And he has mm-hmm. to make it to the performance on time. And he's getting really anxious as the moments go by. And they're just slowly. <laughs> and I could just, I imagine. Yeah, yeah that, that, does, that does sound like a predicament I get myself into. But too polite to say anything. Yes, exactly. And then it turns out that they do get late. They get there late because of something that goes wrong with the car. Right? Yeah. And then they all blame him. They turn on him. And he's the, one they're, he's the reason they're late. It's yeah. so silly. I know. So lots of silly moments. And the animal, I was worried at first that I was telling Matt I was going to be upset reading accounts of animals who maybe had to be put down or whatnot. But all the animals are put down, obviously, in a really humane way. And he puts a lot of great care into making sure the animals are have the 
you know, respect or care and comfort that they deserve. And uh, I learned a lot of medical stuff. Yeah, you do learn a lot about different afflictions of livestock. And what the lengths they have to go to yeah, to do his, things. His arm is always up a cow's butt <laughs> every day. Every dang day. Yeah. yeah. Or getting, as he calls it, muck on you. Like, yeah. I he gets kicked a lot, too. Kicked a lot, bruised, beaten, mm-hmm. you know, in all different types of weather, at all different types of times at night. Yeah. So it's not a luxurious job by no. any means. But as he said, it's an interesting one. Right. He really handles the touchy, depressing moments where people are saying goodbye to their animals oh God, in yeah. such a beautiful way. I really love... There's a scene... Where the old man and his dog, and he goes, um, and he kind of sees that, like, you know, he's the old man had lost his wife. He just had the dog left. He he basically could only afford to feed themselves, like just them. Mm -hmm. And the house is falling apart. It's like the only house on the in the row that's even still occupied. If memory serves, he's just an old dog who's ready to go. And James puts him down, and and the owner's there. He pets him one last time, and. Yeah. It's a, it's a really really sweet scene. There's another scene too where you have a an old woman who has a house full of animals that she takes care of. The woman who who's older is is very worried that when she dies her animals won't go to heaven with her. Oh. And James replies because she, she asks him if he thinks that animals have a soul. Mm-hmm. He replies. If having a soul means being able to feel love and loyalty and gratitude, then animals are better off than a lot of humans. You have nothing to worry about there. Aww. Such a sweet, yeah, such a sweet, sweet sentiment, and and it comforted her. It's all she needed to hear. I, still, though, I, going back to Tricky Woo, Tricky Woo is my favorite character in the novel. It's, it's this pampered dog from this rich woman who throws lavish parties for Tricky Woo, <laughs> feeds, puts cake and steak in its bowl. Yeah, and James is always calling her out for it. Yeah, it's so fat this dog gets so unhealthy that James has to has to take Tricky Woo to the 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 practice for two weeks so that it can get healthy again, just run around with other dogs and be a dog, only probably to go back and get fat again. But yeah, aside from just getting from the dog having its own stationery, Tricky Woo also like the the, the woman's like names for things is really funny. Like she would oh, call up crack or something. What? <laughs> what crack? No, no. When 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 the dog when um the dog Tricky Woo, she would she went, uh, she would pass out, or she would go mad barking. She called it Cracker. She's going Cracker. Oh, yeah, she's going Cracker. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> My favorite was Flop Butt. Oh yeah, Flop. When the anal, I guess small dogs get their anal glands impacted, which I've, I learned. Yeah, and so they have to be drained sometimes. And so when Tricky Woo, Tricky Woo's anal glands would get impacted, it have Flop Butt, but it's put like just sit in the middle of a walk. And she'd call him and say, Tricky Woo's got flop butt. Yeah. That was her name for that ailment. Yeah. Tricky Woo is really a special character. Very special character. And just James, how he observes all of these, this madness, mm-hmm. you know, all the silliness. Like like Matt said, very wry and re- really funny. Just his descriptions or how he's observing all these cast of characters. Because like I said, all these characters are quite zany. And if you love a good, any, you know, character that zany is a hit for me so if you are the same way you'll love this book just such a cast of characters and his his observance of them is i that was really well written and funny and humorous and i was telling matt it's one of the our this fear books that we've read so far for this podcast i really enjoyed it yeah it's it's super cozy if you want a guaranteed cozy read 
read a James Harriet novel. It's heartwarming. It's funny. It's yeah. smart. It gives you everything. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So thank you to to Stephanie. To yeah, thank Stephanie. you for recommending it. There it are two other moments I want to I want to shout oh, out from the book that I really. Sorry, loved. I wasn't trying to wrap it up. So the first is that there's one night where he goes for a late night call to a farming family, and he sees the whole family through the window. And all they're doing is sitting like it's, it's nighttime and, and they've worked all day and they're all just sitting in a row (laughs) on, on like a bench, just sitting, enjoying, enjoying, not talking to each other, just sitting next to each other. Super bizarre and a funny moment. And then the other, um, thing I, I, I thought was sort of fascinating was James Harriet is obsessed with women wearing pants. The woman he really likes, Helen also is a fan of pants. I think he's really into her having pants. Like I think he thinks... That's super fashionable and cool. He writes, We went over the field to a narrow bridge spanning the river, and following her across, I was struck by a thought, this new fashion of women wearing slacks might be a bit revolutionary, but there was a lot to be said for it. <laughs> He's into the pants. He likes the pants. He likes the pants. Well, good. He makes a, a, a point of describing Helen's purple pants when um, he takes her on a, a routine visit to a family. And she she joins him and well she's got he's got a thing for pants he's got yeah he probably bought her a lot of slacks yeah anyway I thought that was interesting but that yeah I, I love this book again thank you Stephanie for for, for reminding me that I, I love James Harriet and it was so great to revisit put it on your summer reading list if you need something yeah calming this summer love it oh there's one more thing I wanted to mention that I found out so the 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 whole thing of all creatures great and small obviously that is based on the the song, All Things Bright and Beautiful, or him, rather. But I thought what was uh, funny is that the the origin of the name for the book series came from his daughter, who had a pun on that lyric in the mm-hmm. hymn, which is, ill creatures great and small, which I thought was really clever yeah. for a veterinarian's book to be called ill creatures great and small. The titles for the, the, the British titles are kind of terrible, in my opinion. If only they could talk is the name of the first book. They're really <laughs> yeah, like that's not... on the nose. This is one area where the compilations just have better titles, and I think putting them together is just more substantial and better. And clearly the Brits even feel the same way because the TV show was not called If Only They Could Talk. It's called All Creatures Great and Small. <laughs> only uh, They Could Talk. So, <laughs> all right. So that brings us to Celebrities That Calm Us. Who, who we discussed today on Celebrities <laughs> That Calm Us. I, I really couldn't think of anybody, so I was like, Stanley Tucci. Oh, okay. I, I got to go with the Tucci. The Tucci. Solid performer. Always, you know, he's one of those actors who always brings it and just seems like a solid guy who ever, all of his co-stars always love working with Yeah, with him. And that's a good sign. He's in, in such a range of different films, too, and... Just a solid actor, solid performer. We like our workhorses here on yeah, All Things Cozy. Yeah, I was about to say. A steady operator, as yeah. Jillian would say. And that's Stanley Tucci. So he's my pick for Cozy Celebrity. Can't go wrong with a steady operator. Can't go wrong with a Tucci. Yep. So uh, I was inspired by a, a listener who commented on our social media uh, episode, our post uh, mentioning all the celebrities I mentioned that have Cozy Instagram accounts. Uh, Shannon Daly mentioned... Sarah Michelle Geller oh, okay. as Buffy. having uh, a cozy social media presence, which I agree with. And then it made me think about her. And she really is another solid 
actress. I don't I don't know if she's in much these days, but I like her life um just in, in general. How on Instagram she's always posting photos with Freddie Prinze, her mm-hmm. husband, and it's always really sweet. And she's someone who leans into her fandom. Yeah. And she's always posting throwbacks with cruel intention co-stars, or she's uh, you know, sharing fan art. She's just someone who appreciates her iconic roles mm-hmm. and fans love for that. And so uh, some celebrities, they want to shy away from... Yeah, they want to distance themselves They want to distance, it. but she, she, like I said, leans into it, which is really nice because there's fans who love those projects and they're still excited about Buffy. Yeah, also, why not celebrate your past and your accomplishments? It seems weird when people are like, that's old. I want to, I don't want to be known for Buffy anymore. It's like, well, be known for Buffy and what you're doing that's new. Yeah, I like celebrities who appreciate the love. Yeah. You know, um, because that is her past, Buffy and all those, you know, 90s movies. So um, I, I really appreciate that. And she's always posting really sweet things on social media. She's a has a cute family and she's just a solid person. You know, once again, no curveballs from her. She's been <laughs> married to Frey Prince for steady a long operator time. Too. A steady <laughs> operator. Just seems like a sweet woman. Yeah. So that's my pick. She and Freddie did voices on Star Wars Rebels together because he was a voice of a character. Oh, I didn't know either. And so, yeah. It was a family affair. What I also uh, heard from our listener, Shannon, that uh, Sarah Michelle has started a baking company. Oh, cool. That's cozy. Which which sounds cozy. She should come on and bake some stuff for us. That'd be lovely. And Freddie Prinze, apparently, he's a big chef now, too. He's always oh. posting uh, his creations on Instagram. So Everyone's getting in the kitchen these days. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So two solid cozy celebrities there. And that brings us to our final topic, which is the candle hmm. review. So... This candle I purchased at the Larchmont Farmer's Market, and mm. it's, a, it's called a market candle, and it's a really interesting little company. All the candles are only $10, it's and they are only sold at, at Larchmont Farmer's Market, so it's, it's a Los Angeles-based company, but you can also buy them online mm. from anywhere. So you can go to marketcandle.com and buy these candles. What immediately appealed to me, honestly was the affordability. Yeah. And then also, you know, a really nice variety of scents, like a, like a, a couple dozen different varieties of candle. And they're soy-based candles, so they burn a little bit longer and, and cleaner. Mm-hmm. The one that we're burning today is a cedar marine candle. Which I really like that name. Yeah, the, the name drew me in, and um, it was one of the... There were actually... I, it was a hard choice. There were a lot of great-smelling candles mm-hmm. that they were offering. This one is um, described as an aromatic essential oil of red cedar with a marine or ocean-like note. When I smelled the candle, like, when it was new, I mean, it smelled amazing. And I burned it last night, and I got more of a scent off of it. And I don't know if I'm stuffy right now, but I don't really smell it. I don't smell it, to be quite honest with you. I give my little sniff. I can smell it if I'm up close to it. You have and to I get lo- really close. I love the smell when I get up close. Yeah, it smells great. The throw's not good. It's not throwing. Not throwing. So I don't know if it's... Maybe you get some airflow going through a room and you might get a whiff of it. Yeah. It smells great. It's pretty. It's very simple. There's not even a label on it. It's just a plain white candle. It's a very pretty scent. And the scent is great. Everything's... I I love it. And I want to get another one. 
but I am a little concerned about the throw. It's just not throwing a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm going to have to give it a half a wick just mm-hmm. because of the throw. But yeah. the scent is beautiful. I love the name of the candle. Yeah. I love the affordability. So mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to take a point off. Yeah. Half a point, but I'm going to have to. <laughs> Jillian's, Jillian's tough today. I'm tough. <laughs> she means business. And if I don't half a wick from throw, Jillian. Yeah. I think I'm going to agree. Half a wick from yeah. me too. So it, it's, I would say, actually, I'm going to say three quarters of a wick okay. for me. Because... Aside from not having that strong of a throw, I feel like this is, on all other accounts, a really high-quality, excellent candle. And I, w- I will try another one from this mm-hmm. this outfit, and we'll see if, if that one has any other throw issues. Yeah, and I appreciate um, the uh, affordability once yeah. again. Very nice. It's, it is kind of shocking how expensive candles can get. And yeah. I also like that this is a local company, but you can still order it online, so listeners can go buy this. Yeah, a lot that of times, nice. like A lot of times, like, for instance, I felt bad, like... The Spellbound Sky Candle was amazing. Sorry, listeners, you can't get it. Like, come visit LA to get it. Yeah. So I, I like that this one, like, if you're interested, you could check it out and buy some and test it out for and yourself. And what's that website again? That's that's marketcandle.com. Marketcandle.com. And they honestly did not reach out to me. This is not... I know, it does I know. sound like, like, hey, Matt, what tell is us that again. again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just curious for my own. Tell me about your Mac Weldons. No, I'm going to go in there myself. That's why. No, um, my own cedar marine. <laughs> but I'll have to, to have a fan placed right. at it. I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's this individual candle. I don't know. All but, right. Um, all right. Well, that does it for today. Thank you for listening. Check out All Creatures Great and Small. And, and thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to all our listeners. You are excellent. You know, check us out at our Facebook group. Yeah, um, it's, it's It's growing. It's popping. We just had like, since the, since the last episode, even like at least five more people joined. So keep joining us. Um, you know, listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. If you have a moment, we, we love hearing from you. And as always, stay cozy. Stay cozy. Stay cozy.